Well, good morning, everybody. I am grateful to see all of you here today. And I'm grateful that we get to join together in worshiping our awesome God. Isn't that a privilege? Let's stand together and let's do exactly that. Praise Him forever. God for is the fact that who he says we are is all that ultimately matters. And the bridge of this next song here, it says, I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am, God. You are for me and you are not against me. I am who you say I am. So in the response, let's worship him and thank him for that wonderful fact. 
that wonderful truth. thankful for that. Well, right now, I'd like to invite you to have a seat for a moment. I'm going to ask my wife, Carolyn, to come up. She's going to lead us in the Lord's Supper today. Good morning, church. It's good to see everybody this morning. I'm going to take this off and breathe for a moment. Um, Well, this morning, we have the privilege of celebrating the Lord's Supper together. 
And I want to speak to everyone that we do have. Well, today's family worship day. I do see one child in here, but I want to speak and make sure that, uh, you know, we're speaking to Elias as well this morning. Good morning, Elias. <laughs> so good to see your family. We love you. Um, but so I want to talk to you a little about communion and what it is and why it's so important to our Christian faith. Um, maybe, you know, Every every once a month, you know, we in, in church, you know, and the kids are usually in the back, but um, when they're with us, they get to see us take communion together where we have, you know, the, the, the juice and the cup. And um, that is a symbol of something so important. And we just sang a song that was is so full of God's truth. It's one of those songs that when we're feeling discouraged, you know, we, we can just sing it to ourselves and it speaks right to our heart and reminds us who we are, who we are in Christ. That that we are chosen, we are not forsaken, that God is for me, he is not against me, that there's a place for me, and I am free, and who the sun sets free is free indeed. And that freedom comes, and it came through Jesus going to the cross for you and for me. He took the penalty for our sin. He went to the cross willingly, and he paid that price. So we do communion. We take the bread and we, as a symbol of his body and we, we drink the juice as a symbol of his blood. And, and that's where that freedom comes from. But it's a really important reason that we do communion together. Because Jesus had the idea when he was having a dinner with his disciples. The dinner was to remember something called Passover, which had happened a long time before Jesus was born. And Passover, if we remember from the Old Testament, was the... Um, the children of Israel were held in captivity in Egypt, and um, God had a plan to set them free. And that plan was that he, there was this mean king, this pharaoh, um, who'd held them captive and wouldn't let them go. And so he had a plan, and he showed his might through miracles and signs and wonders, and he brought these plagues upon uh, Egypt. And, they, and the Pharaoh still wouldn't let the Israelites go. So finally there was this plague of the firstborn um, being killed. But he had a way, a way to set the Israelites free. And that was by um, asking them to take a sacrificial lamb and put the blood over the door. And if, uh, when the angel of death went, went over it and they saw that, he would pass over and spare them. So the Israelites were saved. They were rescued by following God's commands. And so Jesus with his disciples and celebrating and remembering that Passover, remember how God had saved them, how God had rescued them. And this meal was also important because it was the last meal that Jesus was going to have with his disciples. You see, Jesus knew what he's about ready to do. Jesus knew he was going to the cross the next day. And he was going, um, and he was going to give up his body um, to pay the penalty for sin. So Jesus used this Last Supper to explain what he's about to do for them. And that's why we as Christians still do this today. That's why we come together and we worship God and we remember and we take the bread and we take the juice and we do this all in remembrance. So right now, um, we're going to do that. We're going to worship God through communion. And in a moment, I'm going to ask everybody to come to the front and to get the, 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 the juice and the bread. But as you do that, and then I'm going to lead us in a prayer and we're going to take communion together. But as you do that, I want when you're standing in line, I want you to remember. 
I want you to focus on Jesus and I want you to remember what he did for you and what he did for me. And I want you to spend some time just being real with him and saying, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for those ways that I haven't obeyed you. And then just thank him in your heart um, for what Jesus did. So right now, um, I'll ask everybody to go ahead and come forward. This side, this side's kind of heavier than the other side, but, but come to each side and grab the elements. And then once you have them and have a seat, I'll lead us in prayer and communion. So go ahead and come forward. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility, God, and we ask that you examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any sin, God, any unforgiveness that we have, anything that's hindering our relationship with you, because our desire is to live for you, um, is to live for you. And so, Lord, we just um, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for what you did for us on the cross, and right now, We remember you in Jesus' name. So on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And I can't get mine open, so take your bread. (laughs) There it is. Okay, and in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, the supreme sacrifice for all our sins past, present, and future. And because of his blood shed for us and his body broken for us, we can be free from the power of penalty and sin. We can be free indeed. Thank you for his victory over death. Thank you that for our victory over death. He took the death that we deserved. He took our punishment. And today, 
we remember and celebrate the precious gift of his life that he gave for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite everyone to stand one more time as we worship the Lord together again. And as we thank him for his relentless, bottomless, limitless love, how great it is to be loved by our Heavenly Father. To be called by him.
never been. There has never been. There will never be a God like you, a love so true. There has never been. There will never be a God like you. I love so true. There has never been, oh no, there will never be a God like you. I love so true. One more time, church. There, oh, there's never been, there will never be a God like you. How great is His love? How great, how great, how great is Your love? How great, how great, how great is Your love? Yeah, how great, how great, how great is Your love for us? How great is Your love for us? Sing it, how great. How great is your love, how great, how great, how great is your love, oh how great, how great, how great is your love for us, how great is your love. Oh, let's pray together, church. God, we are so, so very grateful for your love. So, so very grateful for the fact that it has no limits. It knows no boundaries. It is eternal. It is faithful, just like you. For that and for so many reasons, we offer our worship to you today. And we love you back in Christ's name. Amen. Have a seat, everybody. You stay seated. Good morning, everybody. My name is Jen, in case you don't know, and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm happy to be here with you today. Um, I just want to welcome you. If you are here in person, it's good to see you. If you're not, you're in Magic TV land. We welcome you on Facebook and YouTube. Um, In case you didn't notice yet, Facebook and YouTube people, every last Sunday of the month is our Family Worship Sunday, and we do communion. So I was thinking maybe next time, if you're not here in person, you could have yourself a little cup of juice and a cracker ready, and you could do communion along with us at home um, because you can do it anywhere. Um, Okay, so I just have a couple of quick announcements for you. Number one, we are have a lot of groups, growth groups going on right now. I know there's a men's group that meets here every Monday night. Thank you. We also have a ladies' group that just started, and that meets Sunday evenings at the Rounds of All's backyard at 4 o'clock. If you're a lady and you want to join us for that, we would love to have you. Um, and I know that there are some co-ed groups meeting as well throughout the week. Um, I don't have all the particulars on that, but if you want more information, you can visit our app and um, search groups, and it'll tell you all about the groups, and you can get in, t- in touch with the leaders of those groups. Um, Another thing I'd like to bring up to you is our Revival Prayer Night. 
So every last Sunday is communion and family worship. Every first Sunday of the, of the uh, month is our revival prayer. That's a time for us to get together as a body of believers and to pray corporately for revival in our church, in our community, in our country, in our world, in our, our Fairfield, in our schools, um, in our family even. So uh, we would encourage you to come. That's every first Monday, I mean Sunday, excuse me, Sunday at 6.30 here in the church. If you don't feel comfortable praying out loud, you don't have to. You can just come and pray silently. There's no expectation of that. We're not going to put you on the spot with a microphone and make you preach a sermon. So um, if you haven't been to one, please come check it out. It might be something that you really love. And the more people pray, the more God hears. So uh, I would encourage you to join us in that. Another important announcement, we have a lot of great sign-ups already for our Trunk or Treat that's happening October 30th, which is a Saturday before Halloween, uh, from 1 to 3 o'clock. It's going to be here in our front parking lot. We already have, I think, eight cars signed up to decorate and to hand out candy to our kids. We have quite a few candy donations lined up. You can start bringing those in now. You don't have to wait until um, the last day. Um, There's still room to sign up. We would love more cars. We would love at least 10 cars or more, as many as, as can do it. And if you don't know how to decorate a trunk, go on Pinterest, go on YouTube. There's some really simple, cheap ways to decorate your car. It's a great way for us to get to talk to our community members, especially our kids. Um, we have a great school right down the road, KI Jones. We have several of their students that go to church here. And so their classmates are going to be coming. They're going to be telling their classmates about, hey, Come to my church. We're going to be giving out candy. So a lot of those kids and their families are going to be driving by, and it gives us a chance to show them some love and show them what Jesus is all about. Um, so please, if you haven't signed up to bring candy or to do a car, please consider doing that. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about is our offering. Um, because of you, God is using Solano Valley to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone in our community and into our world. Um, your giving has changed lives, and it is changing lives for eternity, not just for the present, but for the long haul, for the rest of eternity. So uh, we thank you for your kindness and generosity. And there are five ways that you can give here at Solano Valley. The first, and these are all high tech, um, is going online at www.solanovalley.org and backslash giving. You can set up a one-time offering on there, or you can do an offering at a certain time of month every single time, and you don't have to think about it after that. You can also tap Give on the SVC phone app. You can also send a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, California, 94534. Or you can even um, give one in person, a check or uh, an offering into a silver slot that we have on the back wall there. You can just drop it in there, and we can get it that way. Um, I just want to thank you guys for your generosity. Thank you for signing up to serve on the 30th. And I encourage you again to get involved with a small group. And now I'm going to welcome up our fearless leader, Pastor Gary. Thank you, guys. Uh, Real quick, uh, guys, for those of you who are accustomed to coming here tomorrow at 7, we're not going to meet here at 7. Instead, we're going to meet at my house at 6. And uh, it's not just open to the guys from our men's group. It's for open for every man in our church. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to have a barbecue. Uh, so I'm going to provide the meat. We're going to have uh, 
grilled possum stuffed with pine nuts. Just kidding. Uh, some of the guys thought, oh, boy, that sounds great. All right. So uh, anyway, no, we're going to we're going to do that. And so, guys, I would love for you to, to show up, uh, be with us. Uh, just if you could give me a call or uh, email me, let me know that you're coming. Uh, and if you could help bring some things, I'd appreciate that. But uh, we're going to do that tomorrow instead of our, our men's group. Then we're actually going to take a two-week great break from our men's group and then relaunch uh, in a couple of weeks. So just want to let you guys know about that. Hey, I want to say a warm welcome this morning to our kids who are with us. Uh, this is Family Worship Sunday. Uh, kids, those of you who may be watching, uh, either those of you who are here with us or those of you who may be uh, watching either from YouTube or from Facebook, uh, we're really, really glad you're with us. We want you to know that we love you very much. We want you to know that you matter to God. Uh, and we want, uh, we're just glad you're with us. And, um, you know, one of the things that as a church, we do care deeply for our young people, our children, but we also care deeply uh, for children uh, in our community. So a couple months ago, I started taking off every Thursday afternoon. I decided I was going to give one Thursday, one afternoon every week to just going into our community, reaching out to our children. And what I've been doing with these kids, with some other kids, I have actually, we've, we've gone through the book of Genesis together. And what I did was I used the book of Genesis to teach them about Jesus. And we're actually working our way through the Old Testament, then we're going to work our way through the New Testament. But every week, I get to tell these kids about Jesus. And uh, one of the things that's really important to us as a church is that we really do want to reach our community, and we really do want to reach uh, children in our community. And this is part of the reason why we do things like our fall festival. So uh, I would like to encourage everybody to participate in the fall festival in one way or another. Uh, If anybody in our church is really creative, I'm not, you know. Uh, Maybe you're good with computers, I'm not. And you could create a, a great, um, a great like invite card. And uh, if you would like to do that and help us, I'll give it to these girls. I'll give it to these girls, and we can give it to our kids. You can give it to their friends at school and invite them. And uh, but there are a lot of different ways that you can be involved. And if this is your church home, I would really like to encourage you to uh, to step up, be involved in one way or another. You can decorate a trunk. You can design an invite card. Uh, or you can um, uh, you can provide candy, but it's something where we want to pull together as a church and do one thing, one thing in the month of October that tells our community you matter to God, and uh, that's just something we want to do. Uh, if you have your Bible, I'd like to encourage you to open up. Let me try to get this. I didn't quite get it the right height there. Uh, I'd like you to open up to Deuteronomy chapter six. Uh, Deuteronomy is the fifth book in the Bible. And uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, a couple of thoughts real quick before I read this text for you. We're going to read Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, all the way through uh, through verse 9. Let me give you a little bit of of context for this if I can, okay? Um, God had, uh, first five books of the Old Testament are called the Pentateuch, which literally means five books, uh, hence Pentateuch. And, And all of them were written by Moses in the book of Deuteronomy, what it is, just in case, I don't know, just in case you didn't know, I'm sorry, I'm a Bible nerd, okay? I, I geek out on all things Bible. Uh, the word Deuteronomy, uh, probably some of you don't know what that word means. Uh, it's actually two words, Deutero and Namas, okay? 
And there are two Greek words, not Hebrew, Greek. Uh, we actually get our name of Deuteronomy, even though it was written in Hebrew. We get it from the Greek version of, of that book, from the Septuagint. And uh, it, it basically what it means is Deutero means second. Namas means law. It's the second giving of the law. And what you need to understand is that God brought Israel out of Egypt with these spectacular miracles. They were, like, fantastic. These signs, these wonders. And um, the Egyptians refused to let the people of Israel go. And so through many mighty acts, uh, God brought judgment against the nation of Egypt. And after 400 years of slavery, God brought Israel out of Egypt. Now, imagine this for a moment. You see spectacular miracles by God. Wouldn't it be easy to believe in God if you saw spectacular miracles? Wouldn't it be easy to trust in God if you saw spectacular miracles? And what God does is he takes that nation, Israel, and he's going to give them a land that he already promised to their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he takes them there, but instead of going into and taking possession of the land, they say, hey, we are like grasshoppers in comparison to the Canaanites. We cannot go into this land. We're going to die there. It would be better for us to go back to Egypt. And, and God said, okay, well, you're not going to enter. Uh, you're not going to enter the land that I promised to give to your forefathers. By the way, you're not going to go back to Egypt either. And for 40 years, that faithless generation, one after another, slowly died. And that brings you to Deuteronomy. And what Deuteronomy is, is if, if any of you ever think I preach long sermons, just sit down and read the book of Deuteronomy. Because that's what it is. It is a very long sermon. But it is a sermon not to a faithless generation. It is a sermon to a faithful generation. By the way, every time you hear a message, you choose, will I be a faithful generation or will I be a faithful, faithless generation? And they chose to be a faithful generation. And what God did is, and what Moses does in this sermon, is he goes back and he says, you know, there was a generation that was unfaithful. But now God has brought you to this moment. And this is your opportunity to renew the covenant with God. And in, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, which comes just before Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses goes back through the Ten Commandments. And what he is doing is he's renewing the covenant with a new generation of people. And with this new generation, Moses says this, beginning in verse 1. He says this, he says, These are the commands, uh, the decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land, the land of Canaan that I'm going to give to you. To observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God. As long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and commands that I give you. So that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey. So that it may go well with you. And you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. 
These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Let's pray. God, today, uh, we just ask you to give us hearts to hear, hearts to understand, uh, to, to humbly receive the word implanted that is able to save our souls. God, we don't want to just hear your word and walk away. We want to be doers of your word. So my prayer is you would, would, would just give us a heart to listen and a heart to live out what your word says. I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. All right. Quick thought here. As goes the family, so goes a nation. Okay? As goes the as. When you look at America today, as goes the family, so goes the nation. And as goes the nation, so goes the family. Family is hugely important to God. And Hebrews 6 is a lot about family. It's a lot about following God and then teaching your children to follow God. That's what a lot of what Deuteronomy chapter 6 is about. It's about uh, it's about following God as families and following God as a nation. Israel's future and the future of her families were bound up in living out this message. By the way, whenever Israel lived out this message and lived it out well, you know what they experienced? They experienced incredible blessing. You're absolutely right, Carolyn. Whenever they lived out this text and this preaching, this teaching, Things went really, really well in Israel. But every time they neglected this text and neglected to live by it, you know what happened to Israel? Absolute chaos. It was interesting. You know, it was just chaos. It was suffering. It was um, it just it was really, really bad. You know, one of my one one book of the Bible I just really don't enjoy reading. Is the book of Judges. I just, I, I don't like reading it, to be really, really honest with you. And the reason I don't like it is this, is because it, it's, 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 the book of Judges begins by saying this. It talks about Joshua, who would take over from Moses immediately after this text, Deuteronomy 6. And he would lead the nation of Israel to take possession of the land. And then Joshua passes away, and this is what the Bible says in Joshua chapter 1, which, excuse me, in Judges chapter 1, which follows Joshua. There rose a generation. There arose a generation who did not know the Lord, nor the things he did for Israel. And what you read about is you read about spiritual declension, spiritual decline. And with that, you read about how um, God... Uh, uh, how God, the, the, the people refused to believe in God. They began to worship idols. They began to follow idols. And again and again and again, conquering people came in. And Israel would suffer. And then in their suffering, Israel would cry out to God. And then God would send a deliverer. The only problem is, is immediately after God sent the deliverer, they would immediately forget God and go right back into spiritual decline. 
And it happens again and again and again. Some people read the book of Judges, and they think all of the stories of the different judges are hero stories. And actually, it's not a bunch of hero stories. It's one story. It's one story about how people turn from God, go into spiritual decline, experience suffering, cry out to God, forget God, and go into spiritual decline. That's the message of the book of Judges. Throughout Israel's history, there were times where they would turn away from God and they would walk away from God. Israel's future, the future of her families were bound up in living out this message. And I believe that our nation's future and our families, um, uh, that our future is bound up in living out Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, there, this passage has huge implications. It has, if you are a parent, it has huge implications for you. If you're a grandparent, it has huge implications for you. If you're not yet a parent, it still has huge implications for you. That God wanted ancient Israel to love, worship, and obey God wholeheartedly as they taught the next generation to love, worship, and obey God wholeheartedly. And God wants this generation here. He wants us. He wants us to love, worship, and obey God wholeheartedly. And he wants us to raise up a generation who will love and worship and and obey God wholeheartedly. Several points I want you to see in this text. Uh, some, Some major, I think, important lessons or takeaways. First takeaway I want you to see from this text is uh, that we must worship and love God wholeheartedly. What the Bible says in verse 4, uh, it says here, uh, well, first of all, let me look at, at verse 1. Let me just share with you, if you have your Bible, open up to it, uh, to, to six, uh, chapter 6, Deuteronomy 6, verse 1. Uh, if you've got it on your, your phone, look at it on your phone. It says, these are the commands. By the way, real quickly, uh, in Hebrew... It doesn't say these are the commands. It says this is the command. It's all singular. It's all singular. The NIV translates it as plural. Not exactly sure why. But in both the New American Standard uh, translation of the Bible, the English Standard uh, translation of the Bible, they both translated a little bit differently. And I'm not trying to pick on the NIV here. I, I love the NIV Translation, I think it's a great translation. It just, for whatever reason, translates this in the plural, plural I think, to try to create agreement. Um, the idea of, of, I don't know, whatever you call it, in, in syntax or all that kind of stuff that I didn't like to study when I was in elementary school. What's it called? Grammar, you know? They want everything to agree, you know? It's all got to be singular or it's all got to be plural. The only problem is in Hebrew it's not like that. It's like singular and then it's plural. So the, the ESV Bible says it this way. Now, this is the commandment. This is the commandment. The commandment. Uh, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God, uh, that the Lord God, your God commanded me to teach you. The New American Standard says it. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. What's the point in saying that? The, the point here that I want you to get is that, that really what's happening in this text is Moses is not giving them many commandments. He's giving them one commandment. He's giving them one commandment. By the way, Jesus highlights this. 
that Moses was in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and Jesus clarifies it for us in the book of Matthew, that there's one commandment. And the one commandment is this. Guess what it is? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That is the one commandment that God is giving us here. Is that, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then all the other commandments, all the other statutes, are really just kind of like uh, an application of what it looks like to love God. You get this? is that, that, that the idea that we're supposed to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, has it, it's, it's like the domino. You know the one domino that tips over every other domino? It just has a huge impact on how we're supposed to live every aspect of our lives. And that's what Moses is doing here. That's what Jesus talks about when he's asked, what's the most important commandment? He's going right back to Deuteronomy, the whole book of Deuteronomy. By the way, If I remember correctly, no, I'm not going to say that. I'll just say it this way. Jesus quotes from the book of Deuteronomy a lot of times. Okay? It's one of his favorite books to quote from in the Old Testament scriptures. And so he he quotes from this a lot. Uh, And so what God wants is he wants us to love God, but he doesn't just want us to love God. He wants us to love God wholeheartedly. That what the scripture says, it says here, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, see, this is, this is really important. Is God doesn't want you to give a piece of your heart to him. God doesn't want you to give a piece of who you are to him. That God wants all of you. A hundred percent. And he wants all of me, 100%. He, he wants me to love him and give him first place in absolutely everything. He wants 100% of my heart. When I married my wife, my wife didn't want me to give a part of myself to her. He, she wanted me to give all of myself to her. And what God wants is he wants all of us, 100%, to love him with our whole heart our whole mind, and with all of our strength. Second thing I want you to see in the text is this, is that we must love God wholeheartedly by worshiping him wholeheartedly. And verse 2, actually, let me just, uh, yeah, in verse 2, it says here, um, in, in verse 1 it says, These are the commands, decrees, laws, the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live. You see that word fear? Circle that. All right? Now, fear is a word in relationship with God that a lot of us don't like to use very often. I mean, how many of you think of fear in in negative terms? Just curious. Anybody? Okay. Three of us, okay? The others are afraid it's a trick question. They're afraid to say yes, okay? Okay, so so fear, let's let's talk about this for a moment, okay? Uh, fear. There, there, there are two kinds of fear here. Two kinds of fear. Let's just talk about it for a moment, okay? Let's talk about it from a negative aspect. Um, you can have a sense of anxious dread. 
You know what I mean by anxious dread? For me, it was a report card time when I was going home with my report card as a kid, okay? Anxious dread when my dad would see it, all right? Um, there's anxious dread. Anxious dread is what you feel. It's what you... My dad did something spectacular uh, when I was younger. Um, my dad did something that was uh, very, very courageous. Uh, my dad saw... Uh, a pack of pit bulls attacked a small child. And uh, it was horrible. And my dad jumped over the fence with a golf club and took on six pit bulls. And he beat them off. Uh, My dad felt anxious dread about those pit bulls. But his... Concern for the child was greater than his anxious dread. The fear we're talking about, the fear of the Lord, is not fear like what we think of towards a wild animal that might attack us or might attack someone else. That's not what we're talking about. The fear of the Lord is very, very different, but it's very, very powerful. The fear of the Lord is a holy reverence for someone who is holy, wonderful, and awesome that causes us... See, anxious dread makes us want to shrink back. Initially, my dad wanted to shrink back from those dogs. Now, he chose not to. But, but, but in, and so anxious dread makes us want to shrink back from whatever it is that frightens us. But reverential awe for God is something that makes us want to draw near to him. It's, it's like the um, anxious dread can make you feel weak need, literally weak in the knees. But reverential awe can also make you feel weak, uh, weak need. It's the, 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 I, I just don't know how to explain this very well in, in human terms. And I've talked about this before, and it's the only thing I know how to... It's the only example I can think of from the natural everyday life even though I don't do this naturally every day, but that's something that I've done in my life. Uh, two things that for me were absolutely awesome. Number one, climbing Long's Peak as a young man. I climbed uh, Long's Peak. For any of you who don't know Long's Peak, it's a little over 14,000 feet high. Uh, just in case you don't know how high that is, it's like a lot higher, like a lot, lot higher. Like it's not even fair to compare Lake Tahoe. With Long's Peak, it's that much higher. It's over 14,000 feet high. It is a brutal, long hike, especially if you don't take enough food and enough water. That was me. All right? I did not understand the importance of proper nutrition, staying hydrated. Um, I, I had no clue what I was getting into when I went up. I wasn't prepared to to experience hypothermia on the side of a mountain where I couldn't tie my shoes because my hands were numb. Uh, But there were a lot of things I wasn't prepared for. for, And one of the things I was not prepared for is I went through the the boulder field, and it was huge, and it was like I kept thinking I was walking, 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 walking. And you're at this level where every step is a struggle to breathe. And I'm like, are we ever going to get through this thing? And I'm looking behind me, and I feel like we've barely moved. 
and you're walking, you're walking towards the keyhole, which looks really, really small, but you continue this hike, and you get to the keyhole, and when you get to the keyhole, it is massive, huge. And when you step through the keyhole, and you come to this place where there's a narrow walkway that takes you up to the summit, and, and the walkway is probably as wide as a sidewalk. The only problem is, at the edge of the sidewalk, it's not a six-inch curb. It is thousands of feet sheer drop into a mountain valley below you. And when you step through the keyhole, and when you see that, well, maybe not you, but me, I felt weak need. I thought I was going to wet my pants. I mean, it was like I felt this, not fear, not anxious dread, but the sense of absolute awe that I am next to something that is that makes me feel small. And that's what we're talking about. A lot of people, a lot of us, where we need to be is we need to, I'm not, I mean, attending worship is great. Attending a service is great. But you can attend a service and you can sing a song and never, never come to this place of just awesome reverence for God. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of what's wrong with America today is a lack of awesome reverence for who God is. See, see, the fear I felt on the side of that mountain didn't want me to shrink away from the mountain. It made me want to to draw near to the mountain and cling to it. Because I knew it was drawing near to the mountain and clinging to the side is where safety was. And, and what's needed in America today is a fear of the Lord, not anxious dread, but reverential awe. The, the other thing, I've, where I've, other experience, I won't go into it as much, same kind of experience, first time I went to, well, the only time I went to... Uh, Went to the Grand Canyon, South Rim. I remember camping on the side of the, the canyon, and I remember looking down into the canyon, awesomely beautiful, uh, huge drop. You didn't want to step over the edge, uh, but you just felt this, this sense of awe. And what we need is that's what we need, but we need all of that in the way we enter the presence of God, in the way we enter into this idea of worship. So the fear of the Lord that's being commanded here is this idea of, of loving God wholeheartedly by worshiping him wholeheartedly. Number three, third takeaway from the text, number three, we must love God wholeheartedly by obeying him wholeheartedly. Let me explain to you what I mean by this. Obedience, I want to explain to you the difference between legalism and obedience. Because legalism is not obedience. Legalism is, um, is a path towards destruction. Okay? It's a path towards destruction. It, is, it, it leads to arrogance. It leads to pride. By the way, legalism is, rather than resting in God's righteousness, it's resting in self-righteousness. 
one of the ways we know that we are struggling with legalism is do we despise other people because of their sin? That is how you know if you're struggling with self-righteousness. Do you despise other people because of their sin? Or are you brokenhearted over your sin? See, that's the difference. Sometimes with church people, we really don't know when people are, or have really experienced the gospel and when they are falling into a form of legalism. It is a natural bent of the human heart to want to take that path. Um, obedience is very, very different from uh, legalism. Uh, obedience is not external conformity of self-righteous legalism of the Pharisees that leads to pride and contempt for others and leaves us spiritually dead on the inside. That's what Jesus said about legalistic people. You are like whitewashed tombs. You look good. You look good. You carry a Bible with you. You read it. You go to church. You vote for the right political party. You do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. But inside, you are dead. You are spiritually dead. Obedience is not legalism. Obedience looks like humility. Obedience looks like compassion. Obedience looks like kindness. Obedience looks like showing love to people who look very different from us. Being patient with them. Obedience. It's full of humility, compassion, and kindness. That's what I'm going to say is you cannot love God without obeying God. And you cannot obey God without loving God. Those two things go together. Uh, They can't be separated. In John chapter 14, verse 21, Jesus said this. He says, the one who has my commandments and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. So we must love God wholeheartedly by obeying him wholeheartedly. And finally, number four, we must love God by teaching the next generation to love him wholeheartedly. That that would... would, um, what Moses says here, verse 7, he says, uh, well, I've got to back up a little bit. Verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Interesting. On your hearts. This is, see, anybody know where the Ten, ten Commandments were written, what they were written on? They were written on stone, right? And and who had those Ten Commandments? The people of Israel. Moses. Moses is speaking here. And he's saying, you have the Ten Commandments. They're on stone. But you need to have them on your heart. It's very fascinating. I was going to show some pictures of this, and I I decided not to bring it because I didn't want to make too much of this. But but I have to say this. I have to say this. Uh, One of the things he talks about is he goes on to say, you know, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The other day I knew I was going to preach this message. And so I went through and I took pictures of all the scripture we have in our home. 
Okay. And I took a picture of all the a couple paintings that my daughter Faith painted, a lot of wall art that my wife has bought that's on display, and a three five three by five card that I made that's on my mirror. It is wall art. Okay? It's just not very good wall art, but it is wall art. It's on my it's on my mirror, it's got toothpaste on it, okay? Like I said, it's not very pretty. All right? Some of you, you you would say, you know, the Ronceval home is decorated with Scripture uh, because of joy. And it is. It's also decorated uh, with Scripture because of me and because of my daughter. But this is what I want you to understand. Our home is decorated a lot more by my wife than it is by me, and that's a good thing. And our home is decorated with Scripture, and you know why our home is decorated with Scripture? It's because my wife's heart is decorated. With Scripture. It's on her heart. And you know what? Because Scripture is on her heart. It's in our conversations. It's in our conversations with our kids. Yesterday morning, my son and his fiance were in our home. And they had the great privilege of hearing the sermon. Even though they didn't want to. No, that's not true. I think they did. But we were talking with them about giving the scriptures to our kids. What the text says here in verse 7, uh, it, says, it says, you know, impress these things, the scripture, on your children. By the way, the word impress there mentally, literally means to repeat again and again and again. Why? Because children, you know, children always get it the first time, right? They don't need to hear it a second time. Uh, we always get it right the first time, right? No, we need to hear it again and again. Impress them on your children. Talk about it when you sit along the road, sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. It's interesting here is it's talking about the importance and the priority of not structured teaching but informal teaching. Teaching in every teachable moment. When you get up, when you go to bed, when you sit at home, when you walk along the road. It's the idea of every moment is a moment. It's very, very fascinating because this teaching method pictured here in this text is the exact teaching model that Jesus follows in the Gospels. It's the exact teaching model. The, 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 the very word parable, anybody know the word parable? What does parable mean? Story? A lot of people think it means story. That's not what it means. The word parable literally means this. The Greek word uh, para, that, 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 that means alongside. Okay? Alongside. And the word uh, baleo, the Greek word, bar- the, the, that's where we get our word parable. Okay? It comes from th- these two Greek words. Para, alongside. Baleo, which means to throw or cast. To cast alongside. 
See, the point of a parable is spiritual truth. You take something from the natural world, farming, fishing, herding sheep, whatever. What you do is you, you take something from everyday life, and right alongside it, you cast a spiritual truth. That's what the parable was. It was the casting of a spiritual truth alongside something that was very familiar from everyday life. And that's what Jesus does with his disciples. He teaches them when he's around a table, dining with his disciples, dining with others. He teaches them uh, when they're out fishing. He teaches them when they are in the marketplaces. He, he teaches them when he heals someone. He's teaching them when he makes a whip of cord, cords and drives a lot of people out of the temple. He's constantly teaching. And what God wants us to do with our children, he doesn't want us to drive them out of the house with a whip of cords, even though, you know, young moms, they feel that way every once in a while. But what he does want us to do is he wants us to be teaching them in every teachable moment. That's what it is. So what I want to do today, uh, and we'll make this quick. I apologize. Tweet, would you mind coming up for a second? Uh, I want Joy to talk with you a little bit about the curriculum that we're using with our children in our church and to talk with those of you who are parents how we need your help just like you need our help. Tweet, why don't you bring this up and talk to us a little bit about this. Got everything? Hi, everybody. So um, I'm excited Gary preached on this passage today because we were talking about we have a new curriculum in our, in our Adventure Zone class, which is kindergarten through fifth, and it's called D6. And what D6 stands for is Deuteronomy chapter 6. And Gary's like, oh, I'll preach on it, and we can really study that scripture. The whole point of the the Deuteronomy 6 is that as a parent, you are the number one influencers in your child's life and or the guardian in your child's life. And you are the most influence, uh, inf, uh, the, the number one influence spiritually in your child's life. Then what we want to do at Solana Valley Church is when you bring your kids to Adventure Zone, we want them to learn about Jesus on Sundays. And then with this new tool we're going to talk about, it's, they're called Explorer Guides, where they can learn about Jesus every day. So, this, so what we're incorporating with our D6 cur- curriculum with the kids is basically what this is, is a cool magazine that will go alongside what kids are learning on Sundays. And then what they, what they have during the week is how to learn how to spend time with God in their Bibles every day. So when they come here, it'll be Sunday, and this is a tool for every day. So the point is, is when they come, like last Sunday, we talked about standing in the truth of God's word. That Where do we go for truth? It was in First Thessalonians. And what they could do during the week is there is um, less, there's little blips every day where they can learn about standing truth, learning truth in the word of God um, during the week. Now, because parents or guardians are our primary resource and influencers for spiritual, um, their spiritual life, we want to encourage parents, you know, get your Bible out and, and have your kids get their own Bible and start learning how to get in a Bible every day. And it's not just about doing that in itself, but it's learning how to spend time with God 
every day. It's like establishing the habit. And the truth is, is when, if we can teach the kids that, I mean, kids learn by doing. I learn by doing. And they'll learn most by what they see, you know, in mom and dad. If mom and dad are opening their Bible, oh, I want to have my own Bible and I want to open my Bible. So this is a tool for them to really get in the Word of God um, every day as they're learning about Jesus on Sundays. And one other thing I just wanted to share in this whole Deuteronomy 6, and I, I love this. If you keep going in 6, and if you go down to verse 20, he says, in the future, when your son asks you, what's the meaning of the stipulations, um, decrees, and laws of the Lord, tell him you were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt and to keep going. What the Bible is saying here is when your kids say, what does that mean? Like, tell him what it means. And I love that this is so real. I mean, he had to be a parent because I love that kids, if they don't get something, they're like, what does that mean? You know, I mean, the kids of our church are so great. They ask great questions. And you know what? Bring it. Bring it because they're asking about the word of God. And so when they ask you the questions, when you're learning and you're getting in your Bible and the kids are opening their Bible and, and learning how to spend time with God and they ask you, what does it mean? Take it as a gift. Hmm. This is a teachable moment where you are, you do get to impress it on your kids. You know, maybe you're in the van on your way to school and they say, why do you think God did blah, blah, blah? Or what do you think this, it's, that's these teachable moments. So anyway, I'm excited about this new tool um, that we're going to be using with the kids um, in Adventure Zone here. And that's about it. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Can you give her a hand? All right. My wife is an awesome wife. She is an awesome mom, and she is fantastic with our children. She is. And we have a lot of other fantastic people with our children as well. So, so appreciate, Jackie, what you do. Uh, Brandon, Joanne, uh, Jeremy, appreciate what you guys do in, in serving our children. Uh, Jen, really appreciate you with our young people as well as Matt. So we have a number of people who are investing in our youth and, and really grateful for all those people. Uh, I'm going to skip this last part, uh, Rich, because uh, it, we're going a little bit long here. Let me just close by saying this. Um, as goes the nation, so goes, excuse me, as goes the family, so goes the nation. As goes the nation, so goes the family. Israel's future and the future of her families were bound up in living out the message of Deuteronomy 6. And our nation's future and our family's future is bound up in living out Deuteronomy 6. That this passage has huge implications for us, whether you're a parent, grandparent, or not a parent at all. God wants us to be involved in investing in the next generation. God wanted ancient Israel to love, worship, and obey him wholeheartedly as they taught the next generation to love, worship, and obey God wholeheartedly. And God wants us to love, worship, and obey God wholeheartedly as we teach the next generation to love, worship, uh, and obey God wholeheartedly as well. I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come on back up, and uh, I'm going to pray for us, okay? God, you are great, you are awesome, you are good. And uh, we thank you, Lord. Uh, we thank you for the gift of Jesus, uh, how he has saved us. Uh, God, we thank you so much for the gift of your spirit who guides us in truth, 
who convicts us of sin, sin, righteousness, and judgment. And God, we thank you for the gift of your word. Uh, your word is living and active. That your word, um, that, that it is, um, it's, it's all that we need for faith uh, to teach us how to live. Uh, and we are, we are so grateful for that. And so, uh, uh, Lord, we just, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Joy. Let's stand together one last time, church. And let's sing this together. Let's declare this. Who am I? Who am I that the highest king would I was lost, but he brought me in, oh, his love for me, oh, his love for me. Through the sun, through the sun sets free, oh, his freedom. I'm a child of God, yes, I At last he has ransomed me, his grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. Oh, yes, he did. In the sunset, oh, his feet. note. So thank you so very, very much for being with us today. If you haven't visited our Trunk or Treat table yet to see how you can plug in and love and serve our community, I encourage you to do that. Also want to encourage you to check our app or our website for small group and service opportunities as well. Thank you so much for being with us today.